Hi, I'm Greg Yulot with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Uh, today's a great day. I get an in-studio guest. Uh, today, I'm sitting down and talking with Dan Shine, who's a senior editor at Automotive News. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining. Greg, happy to be here. Yep. So, Dan, uh, you've been with Automotive News for four years? Yes. Okay, Right four before years. the pandemic joined up. Yeah, that's an interesting time to make a career <laughs> yeah. change. Yeah. It was like, I was just starting to know everybody. Okay, go home for seven months or whatever it was. It yep. was, yeah, it was a little, little different. Well, you were telling me, I think that uh, you joined basically right before NADA that year in 2020. Yes. So that was yeah. Vegas, right? Yep. And everybody was there. And it was a great time. And then it was crazy. The whole world just shut down. Like, literally, we got back and the next week, everything, yeah. everything was I done. was actually in, I uh, went from NADA and I went out to shortly after a, a fixed ops meeting in Phoenix. Yeah. And you, know, you could hear all these, you know, the world is coming to an end. And I kept thinking, seeing my boss, I, should I still go? And he said, oh, no, you, you need, these are people you need to know. You have to go. And I said, okay. And I know some friends out there, so I was going to an you know, exhibition baseball game. I was going to a hockey game. I was a, and then by the time I got out there, you know, was, everything was canceled. Yeah. And, and I still visited a, a Subaru dealership down in Tucson and then took the red eye home and stopped by the office. And it was a ghost town and yeah. picked up some things and started working from home. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously since then a lot's, a lot's changed and I'm sure you've gotten uh, pretty ingrained in the industry. Your face keeps popping up all over the place between, <laughs> you know, obviously stories, but also, um, you know, different um, additions that Automotive News puts out. Um, and then, you know, the, the podcast that you've been doing with Automotive News, you're on Daily Drive. So yep. um, obviously you're, you're kind of growing an understanding, but I'm curious a little bit about uh, your background before we get right into Automotive sure. News. because. Um, you know, it's we, we all get here in different ways, right, into automotive. But I think you're from Detroit, so that's probably a good uh, right. good intro into automotive. Yeah, it's like WD forty. I mean, the you know, it's oils in in the blood. So right. being from Detroit, you just kind of you grew up around the industry, and you you know, cars were such a focus of you know being being a Detroiter. So I've always had an interest in cars, but uh, yeah, I got into. I grew up in a newspaper family. My father was a newspaper editor and publisher for 47 years at the Detroit Free Press. And so I spent a lot of time around writers and photographers and editors, spent a lot of time at his office on Saturdays. Um, and I couldn't do math very well, and so, <laughs> but I could write okay. And so I went to Michigan State and said, what, do I, what can I major in and not have to take a math class? And they said, journalism. I said, okay, I know something about that. So I yeah. uh, did that. I landed my first job in uh, Dallas Morning News soon after college. Uh, then moved back to Detroit, um, then worked at Detroit Free Press for a while. And uh, my wife was also in the newspaper business, and we thought it'd be good to diversify our, <laughs> our incomes a little bit. And so I went and I took a communications job at the University of Michigan at the business school and worked there for a number of years, uh, even though I'm a proud Michigan State Spartan. Um, it was a little different. but uh, And then I thought I would really, you know, uh, as I told you earlier, didn't think I'd ever get back into newspapers, but I kind of good opportunity at Automotive News, and I knew some, knew a lot of my old Free Press colleagues were there, and yeah. so I thought, well, this would be kind of fun, and it's close to home. It was, you know, 15 minutes down the road from where I live, and so, uh, but it's been, it's been great. Yeah. Been an interesting <clears throat> industry. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, when, I feel like once, once you really get into it, it's really hard to get out of it. You know, yeah. there's just, there's so much, and it's so interesting, and just a ton of fun. It's very, like, it's, uh, you know, I've, I, Talked to a couple of my reporters who 
are new to the automotive industry and, you know, I'm like supposed to be the old grizzled veteran, but I say it's, it's the auto industry. It's, you know, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And so when you know, he says, well, why didn't they call me? Why, you know, why are they calling you? And I said, because that's how they operate. It's like, <laughs> everybody knows everybody or somebody and they're, they're going to, they're going to do it that way. But it's, you know, it's kind of family like and it, but it's also a very close knit mm-hmm. for, you know, for a big industry. That's, you know, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And um, at some point, a lot of us have all worked together, too. You know, yeah, so you have these true. relationships and um, it's it's it is a lot of fun. It's a yeah. lot of fun. So I want to hear a little bit. You mentioned it about going into the office with your dad and things. And, and I think some of us may have these uh, visualizations of what that's like. Right. So the newspaper business, whatever, you know, 30 years ago or however long yeah, ago it was. A lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll go with 30. You know, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, what, what was that like? What was that experience like uh, being able to, I guess, go in, see it, uh, see the interactions? What I don't know. What, what was that world like back then? It was it was, you know, to me, you know, until I was, you know, 10, 12 years old, it was fascinating. Um, yeah. You know, just a messy newsroom with people, you know, people smoking and, you know, and cursing and which, you know, I thought was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just the chatter of, you know, the old teletypes, mm-hmm. you know, constantly churning out news and, you know, a certain time of the day, you know, if you were there, you know, the presses that were in the basement would start up and you could feel the, like the vibration through your feet uh-huh. and you know, as the presses started rolling. And it was just, it was the, you know, my, you know, my father was kind of one of the older you know, as a managing editor first, and you know, he he started the paper out of co- he was working in college, and he was a copy boy, and that was you know long before computers, and the sure. reporter would type up you know something the story, and he would yell copy, and then my dad run over and he would take it and run it to the editor, and the editor would mark it up you know editing wise, and then hand it back to my father, my father would run it back to the editor, <laughs> the reporter, who would then type up a new version of it you know based on all the corrections, and you know, and he started doing that, and he was in college, and. You know, 47 years later, walked out as a publisher. So, you know, it was pretty cool. And, you know, we had, I'm, I'm the youngest of six, and we always had a big, you know, dinner table. But he would bring home, you know, a new reporter just out of, fresh out of college somewhere in, you know, new town. And he'd yeah. come and they'd have dinner. So we'd have eight or ten people around our table every night, you know, and stories from the day and just, you know, the craziness that, you know, the, you know it was kind of a front seat to a lot of news yeah. going on in the world and in the city. So it was always... I found it interesting, and so when I you know started trying to think about what I was going to major in, you know, it was just it was like second nature to me. Yeah. I was like I know a lot about this business just from listening to my father talk about it. So, and I like to write, and so I said, well, maybe this is you know what I need to be doing, and so it's been you know it's been fantastic. No, that's great. That's great. So then uh, you said your first job was Dallas. Yeah. Um, was that? Uh, extremely intentional, or was that sort no, of? No, the know, first they were the first one foolish enough to hire me. You know, <laughs> I, you know, after many pleas to a lot of, you know, it was, yeah, it was the first opportunity. Um, and my my father really liked having me around the house. You know, it was like, oh yeah, that sounds like good. And my mother's like, go, you need to get a job, <laughs> get out of this house. Um, and it was great. It was, you know, uh, Dallas Morning News was an up and coming newspaper, um, and so it's growing, making a bunch of money and winning Pulitzers and stuff so it was an exciting time to be there yeah um, and uh, so I had a lot of you know got a chance to do a lot of different things from you know writing about it, feature stories news stories sports uh, went to a couple Super Bowls covered the Super Bowls yeah. for the Cowboys and so you know just exposed me to a lot of different opportunities it was a lot of fun and then just um, my girlfriend at the time now my wife uh, was a reporter there too and was looking for 
go do something else. And there were some opportunities in Detroit. So I said, well, we can move back to Detroit. And so she said, sure. And, you know, we've been there since you know, late 95 yeah. uh, back in Detroit. So uh, I did that for a little bit. And, you know, again, then joined the University of Michigan to try something different and, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it, too. How did that feel, you know, being a, a Spartan and then, you know, setting foot in Ann Arbor and, and uh, well, interesting you know, going enough, to work there? Interesting enough that a lot of the communication staff were Michigan State grads. Really? Because, yeah, because it's, you know, it's the only accredited journalism school in the state. And so, you know, most people I mingled with were other, you know, communicators. And, you know, my, my wife now works there. And they have a new service at the university. And so, like, you know, she covers the School of Public Health and Nursing and Pharmacy. And a lot of her colleagues are Michigan State grads because they were journalism majors or former, you know, reporters like she was. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of, we, you know, we kind of, it was, it was a good time, too, because Michigan State was winning a lot of the football games back then. <laughs> so it was, you know, we got had a little bit of bragging rights. Uh, so it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I my two older brothers went to Michigan. My father got an honorary degree from Michigan, and so you know, I've always thought it was a good school, and so it was it was all good. That's good. That's good. So, um, you know, in automotive now, right? Moved back to Detroit, and and by um, you know, fate ended up at Automotive News. Probably be there forever, right? I hope. Yeah, yeah. Because again, it's so much fun. but you get you get the opportunity in in your role now to talk to a lot of different people across the industry, um, get a lot of different perspectives. Um, you know, it's it's really just the nature of of your job, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's exciting to be able to get all those different perspectives. But one of the things that that I'm really interested in is stuff that maybe uh, doesn't always get covered, right, in, yeah. in the paper. So whether that's um, things that maybe they're a little far out there, but plausible, um, or things that are really important, but they're kind of boring because, uh, you know, you get a lot of the, the, the stuff in the middle between those. But, right. But either right. ends of that, it's like, eh, nobody really wants to read that. And eh, that might be a little too far out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious in your conversations, if, if there's anything on either end um, that stands out to you that maybe some folks should uh, should hear about or think about. I think that what I see kind of growing in importance and, you know, there's kind of this, I would say, like, you know, for lack of a better word, a movement is um, getting more women in retail, automotive okay. retail and dealerships. And we've, you know, we've written about it in the past and there's a lot of, you know, good organizations of, of you know, females who are, are in automotive. Mm-hmm. But we don't, but it's not a lot of headlines about it. And I think the staffing shortages that are going on continue in dealerships. You know, here's a, a way to, you know, answer some of those by hiring more women. I mean, I like to, you know, despite all the great efforts, I think women still make up a small, small percentage of, of dealership employees. And so I, you know, I, like I said, we just, so we don't write a, a lot about it, but there's a lot of organizations and groups of women getting together who are kind of like kind of banding together to make it their mission to get more women involved in this in this industry and you know it has a lot to offer and it's getting better for women and it's, they're they're you know they're trying to be more uh cognizant of a, of a work-life balance um and so you know it's i think it's something that i think bears watching because i think there's you know we, we write a lot about shortages and staffing and not can't find good people especially you know after the pandemic a lot of folks didn't come back um there's still always a struggle of finding good people. And so I think this, you know, here's an answer, potential answer for that. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, kind of along the same line, we, you know, we, in the service and parts world that I cover, 
you know, we talk a lot about the technician shortages, right. and there's a million different programs out there to try and entice kids to uh, become technicians, you know, out of high school and or you know after going to college. Um, and you know, we, you know, I think we write about it every week. It's because there's something new about it, but it, but it doesn't. The problem doesn't seem to be getting any better, despite a lot of efforts to make it better. And I don't, you know, I think they haven't really settled on what, you know, what that answer is. And I think potentially it could be the EVs and that it's, it's not, you know, working on an EV is working on, you know, it's a computer job. Right. You know, it's, it's those kind of skills as opposed to I'm going to be up to my elbows in, in Greece and all. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that, you know, the advent of EVs could maybe help that technician shortage and that there are kids who might be, who wouldn't, wouldn't be interested in who's, mm -hmm. and again, I think a lot of the, it's the drivers are the parents who say, no, you don't want to be, a, you know, a mechanic or a technician. It's, you know, it's a dirty job. But I think if it's, you know, more of a, I'm on a computer mm -hmm. and I'm trying to diagnose, you know, problems with an EV, then I think more kids and more parents would be thinking that, well, that's a, that could be a good mm -hmm. career. So... We'll yeah. see. No, that's an interesting take. I mean, I would present that today, I don't care if it's an ICE, ICE vehicle or an EV, that you're basically working on a computer 90% of the time. True, anyway, right? true. Like you, yeah. um, you're literally going to go sit in the driver's seat of the car, you're going to plug in your computer, you're going to look at the screen, and that's how you're going to diagnose things. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the work has to get done, but... Um, you're you're we're we're getting to that point you're right where there's there's as much study on um you know how electronics and the the more computers function yeah. as there is in the the actual physical parts of the vehicle yeah. um you know and, and a lot of your uh mechanical failures um they, they don't happen for a long time right the parts that are being used in vehicles today are, are pretty high quality certainly more high quality than they were a long time ago yes um even 20 years ago so a, a lot of the failures probably a majority of the failures are electrical issues or computer issues yeah it's pretty yeah that seems to be go they go bad sooner than a lot of the other you know components yeah yeah definitely well and, and some of it's just <laughs> they, they go bad to protect the other components right? yeah yeah um, it's a lot easier to change um you know a, a uh, coolant temp sensor than it is to change a head. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, those are a couple of good ones. Those are a couple of good ones. So how does, you know, an industry, I don't know if you have any ideas on this or if you've heard other, other folks talk about it, but what do you think are some of the best ideas around attracting new people to an industry that maybe they weren't, um, uh, naturally drawn to? So the, the example you had were women in automotive, right? And that's yeah. a great example. Um, but you look back historically, uh, you know, and, and automotive, the automotive industry has been around for, well, from a retail perspective, 100 years, yeah. right? Yeah. More. Um, historically, uh, a certain group of people, in this case women, um, didn't make up a large percentage of the, the workforce. So as we go forward, how do we draw folks in that, that you know, maybe um, historically weren't there? How do you... I don't know. How do we educate those people? How do we create those opportunities? Um, women or, or any other segment, right, right? Right. So just in general. I think that you know, one of the more interesting things I've heard, and, and it's, you know, it's got to be recruiting coming from the people who are in the business, who can, yeah. who can speak to it and say, you know, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but this is, an, this is a good industry to be in. And here's why. Here's, you know, why I love it. Yeah. Um, and you know, we wrote recently, well, I can't say recently, about a year ago, you know, about uh, a dealership and they have little business cards. And so when they go out and they go to lunch 
or they go to the dry cleaners, whatever it may be, and they get good customer service, and they see somebody who's personable, they leave them a card and say, hey, have you ever considered a career in automotive? You yeah. know, call this, you know, call me or go to the site and, and you know, check it out. So I think it has to be, you know, the people who are in it have to be the, be the best cheerleaders for it. And sometimes I don't think that people in the automotive world are the best, you know, cheerleaders for their industry just because, I, you know, it's, I think it's hard to think that your industry is great when you're in it. Sometimes you may think, oh, other people have it better than I do. And so mm-hmm. maybe this isn't such a great, you know, you kind of maybe think about all the negative things that, are, you know, are, are part of the job. Um, but it, I think, you know, those are, you know, the kind of the ways to, I think, draw people in who maybe wouldn't consider it in the, you know, in the past is to, you know, have that one-on-one conversation with somebody. So, you know, this is what I do at a dealership. And, you know, I find it really fun. And here's why I like it because, you know, it's different every day. I get to help people and, you know, and, you know, if you like cars, or, you know, a lot of people like cars, and you get to be around them and, you know, sell them. It's, you know, it can be kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's, I mean, I like that. Just um, kind of grassroots, one to one. You know, this is, this is a great industry to be in. It's so funny. Say, if you like cars, I still, I go into a dealership and the first 10 minutes I'm in there, I'm just looking at cars and opening yeah. doors and sitting down. And it's yeah. just, they're, they're just <laughs> fun. Machines. You I'm know, here for a minivan, but uh, I like that man. Mustang out on front. Of there. That looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just so fun to go into. Every time I go into a store, no, no matter how many dealerships, I swear the first ten minutes, I'm just, yeah. I'm like a little kid. They're all yeah. nice and shiny, and, and uh, it'll never be that clean again. But yeah, and, yeah, I'm the same way. What about um, what about on the flip side? Anything that uh, that you've heard out there where like you know that makes sense, but you might be a little, uh, you know, a little crazy <laughs> oh, I, without names i can't i can redact names uh, yeah we can know. always we can always take them out <laughs> well i think um i'm trying to think maybe i'm trying to think maybe the f and i world because that's you know, one of the other hats i wear um i think that you know the decisioning and like ai is you know becoming everything's becoming faster mm-hmm. and, and which can be great um but I think that, you know, there's 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 still a segment out there who don't believe in it, right? And they're and they're hesitant to, you know, fully jump on board. Where the you know, younger generation, this is second nature to them. But for a certain segment, they're not they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you, you know, how do you introduce the modern, you know, realities of retail to them? And uh, and it's. It can be hard to do, and I and I think that uh, you know the, the dealerships that are doing it well are the ones that can, you know, again, where's your comfort level on this type of stuff? And I mean, I love going on the, you know, the AI chatbots and you know on uh, Delta Airlines and stuff. That I, don't, I can work with them a lot right. easier than trying to get on the phone and the eight hundred number and customer service. Um, so I think you know I'm trying to think you know to answer your question, I, I don't have a great example off the top of my head. Um, but F and I seems to, there's there's kind of like there's there's all sorts of great opportunities there, but it's 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 just a people are, are wary sure. of of getting in and you know getting into too much of the I guess the high the higher tech stuff. Yeah, and there's a I mean there is a trust uh, aspect to it, right? So as a consumer, um, if you just think about the the car deal as a transaction, right? For the salesperson or the F and I manager, they're going to make you know. Few hundred dollars, thousand bucks, for the consumer, they're going to spend 40, 50 yeah. grand, right, yeah. or more. Yeah. Um, so, 
the investment in that transaction is just different. Um, so the person with with the higher investment in the transaction um, is more cautious, I think, naturally, right? So yeah. they they want the person on the other side um, or the, the chat bot on the other side or whatever the case is. Um, they want to be able to trust them. They want to feel like they're well-educated. They want to be taken care of. Um, so I, I think with what you're talking about, I, I agree, but it is for quite a while yet, I think, going to be a balancing act, yeah. right? You have to have both pieces to it. So, you, yes, the technology is very important, and and um, it, that's a good one to, to call out because, you know, it's, yes, AI is a real thing, and it's going, and it can help all of us, right? Yeah, right. It can make everything smoother. It can make everything easier, everything faster. Um, we can iterate faster to understand what works and what doesn't. Um, but that consumer, at the end of the day, it's all about what they're comfortable with. It's all about what's valuable to them. Yeah. Um, so finding that balance between kind of technology online, digital, and then in store and having that belly to belly conversation yeah. um, is gonna make all the difference, I think. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain segment who would be completely comfortable on their phone buying a new vehicle from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And there are some who are gonna wanna come in, they're gonna wanna you know, take a test drive, they're gonna look at it themselves, and then sitting in, you know, in somebody's office for three hours or whatever it takes to kind of like work through the numbers and then through the F&I process, sign a bunch of documents and then get their keys. And they're, they're happy with that. They're used to it. Right. And they're, and they wouldn't think of doing it any other, any other way. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the areas where dealers do provide a lot of value, right? It's in that, that, especially the finance area. Um, and there's all different pieces of it, but you think about the percentage of consumers that if you went to somebody today on the street, right, the percentage of consumers that would know how to get a loan for a car without going into a dealership, yeah. right? It's not something that we do very often. Right. You know, it happens right. every five years, 10, depending on the consumer, three years to, to 10 years. So it's not something that's that's easy. It's not a Amazon buy now button, right? It's And for most people, they're, they're not going to pay cash for, for a new vehicle, right? It's yeah. going to be financed. So... I think that's an area where the dealership really does provide a lot of value in the transaction, mm -hmm. um, connecting the buyer with the lender, um, whether it's a captive lender or whether it's an independent lender. Um, but that connection point is is one where the the dealer really creates a lot of value, um, and and you know remembering that because it's it's so easy to to think about. Well, I bought my fill in the blank TV on Amazon. Why wouldn't I buy my car? Right. You, you know, you don't have 60 months worth of payments for your TV. Right. You just don't. Right. And you got a, you got a warranty for maybe, you know, either you want a three-year warranty or your Sony or you don't. And so it's a, you know, it's a lot different than, than a car. Yeah. That, that's not to say it can't be done. And, and to your point, it's not that there's not a segment that yeah. um, won't adapt to that. There, there will be. But I think the thing to remember is, is you do have to have um, some blend, you know, maybe, maybe it's 99%, 1%, maybe it's, you know, 1%, right. 99%, but it, probably somewhere in between those. Yeah. And, we, and I mean, we've learned like with, with F&I too, the, you know, the earlier that you introduce kind of F&I into the sales process to whether again, be online or be in person, the more success that, you know, the, the F&I process is going to have, like the, you know, customers familiar with it and they've heard about it. And so they're, they're prepared for when they, you know, they go in and they got to go through that that process that they've already kind of heard from their, you know, their salesperson. Oh, you know, we're going to be able to offer you this and this and, you know, and to protect your car. This is your, you know, probably the second, second biggest investment, you know, behind the house. So mm -hmm. uh, you, you want to be able to protect it. And so I think the sooner you, you kind of in, 
inv kind of invoke the F and I process earlier. I think they've they've seen a lot of great you know uh, success there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I actually, um, as a counterpoint, uh, saw a post. Was it yesterday, two days ago? Somebody posted on LinkedIn. It was kind of a long, um, not an argument, but just a you know a, a statement, I guess, yeah. about how um, selling F and I products online doesn't work, um, and and that's fine. Like yeah. it, it might it might not, right? But yeah. I, what I struggle with a lot of times when I read anything, and I, I think you do a good job with this, and, and automotive news in general does. But when I read things, especially on like social media channels, um, there's so many absolutes, right? Yeah. X doesn't work or Y works every time. It's like, well, every every scenario is really There's different. There's a little bit of gray area there about <laughs> everything. You know? Yeah, and, and it's going to depend, especially the more variables you have, um, the less absolute you can be, yeah. right? So um, when you think about selling F&I products online, I think to your, your point is, you know, we're going to have some people that they are going to buy now, right? They understand it. They can get educated. They want yeah. it. Um, you're going to have some people that, do a lot of research, um, don't pull the trigger for whatever reason, and then they talk to an F&I manager, and they're like, you know what, yeah, that makes sense, but they feel comfortable and confident because they did they've already, yeah, yeah, they've already educated themselves a little bit. Yeah, and then you have you know, maybe a third group that um, they're not going to do any research, and they're going to spend three hours talking to somebody, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but I just I don't see any time in the, the relatively near future where that group, those you know three groups and everybody in between them, are going to meld into one where we can say in an absolute, this does work or this doesn't work. All right. I mean, the time will come, I think, where it will become a fully digital thing. But that's, I think, many years off in the distance. And you know, until then, like you say, you got to see where their customer is comfortable at mm -hmm. and then and work, you know, work with them there. Yeah. But I think that's a cool opportunity because that's where that's an opportunity where dealers really can add value is is being in that situation where they get to interact with the customer, they get to understand what they want, understand, you know, what their needs are. And, um, it's something that consumers need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's as subtle as, you know, they see their previous, their you know, trading car, you know, has you know a couple of car seats. Oh, I see you have young children. Yeah. You may want to, you know, have this kind of protection or, you know, any kind of, you know, they'll know what kind of what the lifestyle is and they can, you know, kind of pattern, you know, what kind of products they may need. You know, to kind of fit that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so Dan, shift gears a little bit. Uh, curious about automotive news and, and your experience there. And, you know, it's a great publication, been around for, you probably know, I, I don't know how Coming long. Coming up on 100 years. Uh, in, actually, I'm going to get this wrong, I'm going to get yelled at. But in a couple of years, we'll be 100 years old. Yeah, so so almost a century. Been, yeah. um, you know, kind of, I would argue, I'll say one of, because there's a lot of great publications in mm -hmm. our industry, but one of the, the best publications in the automotive industry. Um, a lot of a very respected uh, publication, part of Crane Communications, which also has other large publications. Yeah. Um, what is, if, if you don't mind, and if you don't want to talk about it, just tell me, you know, pound sand. But um, I guess what's what's the organization like? Pull the sheets back or pull the covers back a little bit. Like, what what is it like at Automotive News? It's, you know, it's different than the other two newspaper experiences I had. And it's a, you know, a little bit smaller staff. It's a niche publication, mm -hmm. you know, once a week. I mean, you know, a weekly. Mm -hmm. um, as compared, I worked on daily newspapers before. Um, but they're like... But they're really like smart people, and when I, you know, in those times when we still get together in the office and, and stuff, it's it's you know interesting to hear the conversation because there's so much 
knowledge about the industry from, you know, with people, you know, I'm you know a newbie compared to like a lot of folks sure. here who have been there for, you know, years and years. And so they know people and they know, you know, they'll go back, they know their history and they'll tell all this. Oh, I remember the time they did this. And it's, you know, quite fascinating to, you know, to sit in on these meetings and, and listen to kind of these you know, smart folks. I, I, when I just, you know, when I just started in the pandemic hit, and so we would get together remotely, you know, sure. Zoom call, all the whole staff or whatever. And I remember, like, kind of like in the back of my head, I was like, you know, God, if they start laying people off, I'm like the last one hired. I might be, you know, I might be on the street. And I was, we had, the Zoom call hadn't started yet, but like uh, the former publisher was on, and there's some reporters, and they were, you know, joking back and forth about this and that. And I thought to myself, I was like, God, it would really stink to like get get laid off or get fired because of this because it's like a really good group of people and they're yeah. you know and you know newsrooms are you know there's a lot of you know weird stuff and language <laughs> and swearing and stuff which you know which i love you know so it's always kind of fun to be a part of that and it's and it's no different there and you know but now in you know we have stacks of old papers but we have like you know whole car engines like in the newsroom and stuff and you know car parts you know the my next door neighbor is, you know, he's one of the few guys, which are true, who can, you know, take apart a car and put it back together. He's, you know, he's a mechanic, an engineer. And so he's got like car parts on, like on his desk and on the, you know, filing cabinet and stuff. And he can, you know, explain whenever I have, you know, anyone has something wrong with their car in the office, they come to Richard and they say, hey, I got this squeaky <laughs> noise. And they'll say, have you checked this? Have you checked that? You know, and he, you know, he's got all these weird cars that he imports from in, from overseas and then you know fixes them up and drives them and so that's cool this, it's just a you know a smart group of people who are like are really dialed into this industry and know so much about its history and about its people that you know it's, it's it, you know I'm still every day I come in I'm like pretty impressed about how smart these people are yeah yeah so how do you find um, uh, maybe I don't I'm trying to figure out how to word this out. How do you find stories, right? So I've had I've had dealers um, that I've talked to that they've put their life's work right into building a dealership, into building um, an enterprise, and um, you know most of them are, are very down to earth, humble folks. But um, you know sometimes it's nice to have your story told. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how do you how do you find stories? How do you decide who to who to talk to and where to go? So it, it you know from all sorts of ways right and, and it's you know it's on linkedin it's attending webinars it's on you know facebook you know facebook groups about you know fni managers it's going to conferences you know and hearing you know what what you know people are talking about uh it's phone calls emails from people saying hey i heard about this or you know it's just like i'll you know i have a group of you know smart people that i you know cover and i'll every once in a while just call hey what do you What's going on? What are you hearing? I'll call trainers, you know, the NADA Academy oh, yeah. and, and NCM and to say, you know, what are what are the service managers talking about? What are they what are problems are they having? And you know, and we'll and I'll find stories that way. Um, it's you know, it's you, you talk about, you know, the interesting dealership folks. And I you know, and I'm you know, I'm a sucker for a good feature story. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's you know, sometimes unfortunately it's you know, it's only so many inches in a paper, right? And we have mm -hmm. a website, and that's kind of you know where we're moving to. Um, but sometimes you only got so many hours that a reporter can work. It's you know, that's a nice story about the dealer who's been in business for you know fifth generation. Yeah. But I've got this that you know is more pressing that you sure. got to go cover this now. So, sure. uh, so it's a little bit of picking and choosing about you know 
what makes sense now, what's what's you know newsy right now, what's got a time peg to it, mm-hmm. um, you know. But uh, but I also like you know have a little bit of freedom for you know, like when I service some parts pages and F and I pages to kind of if it's if we got a few pages we can you know, write a nice feature story. We we read a this was just a, a freelance writer in Houston and he heard about this and. There were some kids who were in the auto tech program at a Houston high school, you know, kind of a disadvantaged, you know, area of Houston. And if he found an old Mercedes and they were over many years, you know, kids would come and go and they were rebuilding it into kind of an off-road, you know, car. Yeah. And then they were entered and he entered into a Hot Wheels contest about, you know, show us your car and maybe we'll make a, a Hot oh, Wheel cool. car out of it. And so they finished in the top 10. They were wow. they were one of the top 10 finalists. They didn't, they weren't picked to, to win. But you know, like this writer found about, you know, he didn't even ask if I would like it. He knew I would like it. And he, just, he sent me here. I, saw, I did a Q&A with the teacher and it's, you know, and I said, well, I need, give me a picture with the teacher and the kids in the car. And it was, it was a really nice little story. Yeah. It was just, you know, it just kind of happened out of the blue. And yeah. it was kind of a cool story about, about a, really about a, a guy dedicating his life to, you know, trying to teach kids, you know, about the auto industry and about being a uh, technician. And, and so, you know, and they have, you know, pretty good success of turning kids into, into techs, but it was just kind of a fun little story. It just, yeah. you know, just kind of happened. Right. No, that's great. That's great. Um, so Dan, earlier you said, you know, you're from Detroit, uh, car guy by nature. Um, so what's your, uh, what, what's your dream car? And, and there's, there can be two. Well, you can answer however you want, but what I, what I definitely want to get out of this. Um, so whatever you want, but then kind of older car. So it's, let's say pre-1970 and um, then, you know, newer car technology, technologically advanced car. Yeah, so we, I get lucky because we, the manufacturers will send us press cars. Yeah. Um, and so I've had over the last, you know, few years opportunity to drive, you know, all the, you know, in fact, I drove one down here. You know, this not would not be on my top ten list at all. But I won't name the brand. But it's you know a very basic model. But sure. I, you know, driven you know G wagons and and Range Rovers and you know these electric Mercedes and stuff. And it was you know that are just fantastic. The Mach E, which I really, really liked, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm I'm you know I'm a little bit older, so I like. You know the cars of the of the you know the '60s and the '50s, and yeah. you know even into the '40s. You know, those are the ones. You know the old Packards and uh, the ones that have the great you know fins and things like that. I, we actually I, have a Packard museum in Dayton, Ohio. You really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the the National Packard Museum. It's a pretty cool place. That's cool. So where I'm where I live, there's uh, the former president of Packard lived, and he had a mansion on the lake, uh-huh. and, and now it's in a community center, been a community center for a long time. Um, but he was you know. I live in an interesting community that has a you know, great automotive history. Lot, know, all the Fords, you know, live there. Do- Horace Dodge, you know, lived there had a mansion on the on the lake and all that. Um, so there's a lot of good, you know, automotive history in you know in my hometown. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, but I do, um, I, you know, I, I love that G wagon. I think that was a, a favorite of, of my kids <laughs> too. Um, it was, in fact, we I had it for like a week, and we, and my son and I would we're chalking baseball fields and so yeah. we would go every day and we would chalk baseball fields and we had this chalker in the back of this you know $150,000 G-Wagon <laughs> and this guy you know at the field finally like saw us and he's like this job must pay pretty well <laughs> so oh, you wouldn't believe how much money I make chalking fields look at this this is my car um, so that I mean that that was a pretty nice car that yeah. would that would you know if I got something these days I would get something like that I think it was it was pretty sharp nice 
Nice. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're all beautiful, but yeah. uh, you know, you got your, got yeah, your favorites. Yeah, you know, anything's better than what I'm currently driving. Right? So, <laughs> anytime I get a new car, I'm like, oh, this is this is great. So. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, well, Dan, this has been fun. Um, what uh, what haven't we talked about that we should? Anything else you want to touch on, or anything else that's top of mind for you? No, we're got, we're coming up on NADA in in, oh, yeah? uh, in February, and that's kind of you know our Super Bowl at Automotive News. I mean, it's all hands on deck, and so it's a great opportunity to to meet dealers and you know and find out what they're thinking about and so it'll be a busy you know four days of you know talking with people and seeing what's out there so i'm i'm looking forward to that a lot and just getting out there and talking to people and kind of hearing you know getting a lot of story ideas for the coming year yeah yeah back in vegas this year yeah and uh, it'll be it'll be another fun one um i don't know if you've seen them saw first registration numbers and everything looks up um year over year and and even compared mm-hmm. to the last time in vegas so it's, i think we're going to come out uh, with a great show this year so i'm i'm excited too it's always i mean it's always a fun time yeah. right and it's yeah. always an opportunity to your point to to connect and talk with folks and um you know it's it's just it's it's it is the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Uh, actually, the week after we're there, the Super Bowl is yeah, in Vegas. I so, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah, that'll be great. Maybe we stick around and go to the game. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I'm sure we'll we'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you for uh, for hopping on. This My is pleasure. fun. I uh, definitely appreciate it, and we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks, Greg. Yep. Well, that was a fun conversation with Dan Shine from Automotive News. I really appreciate him coming into the studio. Uh, always fun to uh, to talk with him and good to have him sit down with us. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Uh, don't forget, before we hop off, you can watch or listen to Connected on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.